Well, welcome back, everybody, for week two of EGR. And I can see that some of you brought your EGR with you this morning. So, no, I hope not. Maybe you did. I don't know. Either way. Now, for those of you who are wondering what I'm talking about, we're in this series of messages where we're exploring practical ways to deal with the difficult people in your life. Or as we like to say, we're learning how to extend extra grace to the people who need it most. And as we discovered last week, dealing with difficult people is less about how difficult they are and more about how we choose to respond to them. And one of the best ways that you can respond to the difficult people in your life is to minimize the negative impact that they have on your life. You can't control the difficult people in your life, but you can control how much control of your life you give them. Here's what I mean by that. Difficult people usually create a lot of problems and a lot of chaos, not only for themselves, but for everybody around them. But just because that person is in your life does not mean that you have to solve their problems or clean up after the messes that they make. And so today, we're going to look at one of the best tools you have to deal with difficult people in your life, and that is boundaries. Boundaries are important in every relationship in our life, but they are critical when it comes to dealing with difficult people. In fact, if you'll take out your message notes, I want you to look at that verse there on the top from Proverbs, the Old Testament book of Proverbs. These words were written by Solomon, the wisest man who has ever lived. And look at what he says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. What does it mean to to guard your heart? Circle that phrase, guard your heart. What is he talking about? Well, for the Hebrew mind, the heart was not just a muscle in your chest that pumped blood. The heart was considered the, the seat of your emotion, the center of who you were. The heart was the inner man, the inner woman, the essence of who you are and your life. And Solomon says that is so important you got to protect that. You need to be a good steward of your heart. Now listen to me, that does not mean that you should build up walls when your heart's been hurt, that you should become hard-hearted, build up walls to keep people out of your life, to never get close to people. What it means is just have healthy boundaries with your life. Now, do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say boundaries? When I talk about boundaries in terms of relationships, how many of you have heard that word before or that concept? Yeah, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about with boundaries, think of it this way. Boundaries are like property lines for our lives. You know, just like in your neighborhood, you have property lines. And those lines are usually pretty clear and obvious, and those lines determine who owns what. But those lines also determine who's responsible 
for what? You are responsible for the property that you own, but you're not responsible for what happens on other people's property. Like, let's say today you go home, and your neighbor next door comes over, knocks on the door, and says, Hey, man, can you help us out? Our septic tank is blocked up. It's backing up into our bathrooms. Could you help us out? Do you mind if we use your bathrooms or use your showers? You're like, sure, right? Any decent person would be willing to do that. But now imagine that same neighbor comes over and says, Hey, man, our septic tank is blocked up. We're leaving to go on vacation. While we're gone, would you call somebody, have it fixed, and then pay for it before we get back? You'd be like, dude, you are crazy. You've lost your mind. And yet we often do exactly that. When it comes to our relationships, we take responsibility and accountability for things that we don't own. And so this morning, I want to spend a few minutes just talking about how to establish healthy boundaries in your relationship. Five things that are essential for healthy boundaries. You ready? Here we go. Number one, the first thing you have to do to have healthy boundaries is learn to love without rescuing you got to learn how to love people without feeling like you always have to be the one to rescue them now see I understand as Christ followers this tends to be a struggle for us because we are to be a people of love Jesus has told us that the most important thing in our life is love our love for God and to love our neighbor as ourselves so we feel obligated to rescue people, to fix problems, to clean up messes for the people around us because after all, isn't that love? No. Doing for others what they can and should do for themselves is not love, it's codependency. And it's more about you than them. And it doesn't help them. It's destructive. It's unhealthy for their relationship with you. And it's unhealthy for their lives. I heard about a young girl who came home after her freshman year of college and brashly announced to her parents that she had met a guy and she was getting married. Of course, the parents are freaking out like, wait a minute, we didn't even know you were dating anybody. You're talking about getting married. We've never even met this guy. She's like, yeah, I know. That's why he's coming over tomorrow to meet you. Well, they were thrilled. And sure enough, next day, there's a knock on the door. The father opens the door, and there's this punk kid standing there. And he says, hi, I'm Jack, and I'm going to marry your daughter. And the father says, hold on a minute, Junior. We need to talk. So they sit down in the living room. The dad said, I don't know much about you, but you're talking about marrying my daughter. So let me ask you a few questions. First of all, what do you do? Are you a student, or do you have a job? What is it you do? And the young man said, no, I'm not a student, and no, I don't have a job, but God will provide. That's what we call in a relationship playing the God card. And EGRs will often play the God card, and you don't know whether they're super spiritual or they're just kind of whacked out, so you don't know what to do. So the father said, okay, well, if you're not a student and you don't have a job, obviously if you're talking about marriage, you must have some means. You know, you're going to support my daughter, you know, going to have a place to live, do all of that. Maybe you have some assets, a trust fund. Maybe you've got some money in the bank. And the boy said, no, sir, I don't have any assets, don't have any money in the bank. In fact, I don't even have a bank account. But I believe God will provide. Now the father's really freaking out. And he said, okay, well, if you don't have a job, 
You don't have any money or resources. Surely, son, you got a plan. Surely you got some aspirations, some ambitions. You want to do something with your life. And the young man said, no, sir. No plans, no ambitions. I don't know what's going to happen, but I believe God will provide. The boy left. The father was sitting in the chair completely traumatized. The wife comes in and said, how'd it go, honey? And he said, well, we got good news and we got bad news. She said, what's the bad news? He said, the bad news is this boy's got no job, no money, and no ambition. And the mom's saying, well, what in the world is the good news? And the daddy says, the good news is he thinks I'm God. Probably hits a little close to home for some of us, doesn't it? Listen, here's the thing. You've got some people in your life who want you to be God for them. And the more you keep trying to be God for them, the more you are keeping God from them. In fact, look at what Jesus says. John 13, 34. Jesus says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I'm the example. You love each other the same way I love you. And you say, wait a minute, Philip. Didn't Jesus show his love to us by rescuing us? Didn't Jesus love us by rescuing us? Absolutely. But what did Jesus rescue us from? Sin, death, and hell. All things that we could never do for ourselves. Let me ask you this. Does Jesus rescue from you from every problem in your life? Does Jesus rush in and rescue you from every difficulty, every struggle, every bad circumstance in your life? No. Well, then why do you feel like you need to do that for others? I love how the Apostle Paul puts it. This is so cool. In Galatians chapter 6, in verse 2, Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. But then two, three verses down in verse 5, Paul turns around and says, but each one should carry their own load. And you're thinking, what a, that's a contradiction. In one breath he's saying, carry each other's burdens, and in the other breath he's saying, carry your own load. What's, which one is it? It's both. To understand what Paul is saying, you need to understand the words that he uses. Circle the word burdens and circle the word load. Because in the Greek language, the language that Paul wrote this letter in, those are two very different things. The word Paul uses for burden there is literally a word that means boulder. It means a weight that is so heavy, so big, that no person could ever lift it by themselves. But the word that Paul uses for load Everybody should carry their own load is the word that means knapsack or day pack. In other words, the amount of weight that a person should carry and could easily carry for their daily needs. And so what Paul is saying there is that by all means rescue people when they're under a boulder, but stop carrying their knapsack. So let me ask you a question. Whose knapsack are you carrying right now? Whose knapsack are you carrying? Because understand this, the more time and energy you keep spending on carrying somebody else's knapsack, 
the less time and energy you'll have to rush in and help people who are trapped under true boulders in their life. We got to learn to love people without feeling like we have to rescue people. Number two, the second thing we have to do to build healthy boundaries is we got to be willing to care front others. And no, that is not a typo. I meant care front. Care front is a word we've used for years here at Cedar Creek, which simply means you care enough about somebody to confront them when there is a problem. See, most of us lean towards one of two extremes when it comes to confronting people on the issues we see in our lives. Some of us are way down on this end of the extreme. We love confrontation. We got no problem telling people problems in their life or the issues. We got no problem. We love to speak the truth. Not sure we speak it in love, but we got no problem. How many of you kind of lean towards you're comfortable with confrontation or you're at least not scared of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest of you, some of you are just not being honest. A lot of us, though, particularly in the church, we lean towards this idea if I pretend like there's not a problem, it'll go away. Just ignore it. Just stick my head in the sand. What the Bible teaches is that as Christ followers, we are to deal with the issues and problems, but we are to make sure we do it with the right attitude and the right motive. Two places you see this in Scripture. One, Jesus' words from Matthew 18. Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins, in other words, there's a problem in their life, go and point out their fault. In other words, confront it just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. A couple things I want you to notice there. First of all, Jesus says you got to go. In other words, you have to take the initiative. You can't go, well, if they ask me about that problem, if you really care for them, you have to be the one to go. And by the way, Go in Greek means the same thing as it does in English. Go means go, not send. It doesn't mean send an email, send a text, or send a post on Facebook, or send somebody else to tell them the problem in their life. You are to do this, and you are to do this one-on-one. Jesus said, go, talk about it between. If you're pointing out people's faults and flaws and problems in front of a crowd, it ain't really about helping them. It's just about making you feel better throwing them under the bus. You have to do this one-on-one. But then notice the purpose, and this is the key. The purpose of carefronting, dealing with issues, is to win them over. And that phrase does not mean win them over to your side of the argument or turn them into fans of you. It means to restore them to health, to restore them to a better place in life. In fact, you see that same thing in Ephesians 4.15. The Apostle Paul writes, We will speak the truth in love and notice the result, growing in every way more and more like Christ. He's saying the speaker and the receiver are made more like Christ. The reason we point out the problems in each other's lives is not to condemn, it's not to judge, and it's not to get your anger off your chest. It's about helping all of us become more like Christ. Listen, one of the main purposes of relationships in our lives is that we are to help sharpen one another. You know, I said last week 
You are the people in your life, the people you are in relationship, you're not in a relationship with them to fix them, but to enjoy them. But you are in a relationship to sharpen them, and they're in your life to sharpen you. What I'm saying is we've all got blind spots, right? There are things that I can see in you, but there are things in my own life I can't see. We all have blind spots. Care fronting means we love each other enough to say, you've missed a spot. There's an issue. You know, last week I said great relationships are built on tough conversations. This week what I'm saying is you need to have those tough conversations for the right reasons. you got to talk about the issues to deal with the issues. Just make sure you've got the right mindset and you're going with the right purpose in mind. Number three, this is huge. Or as our president would say, this is huge. It's huge. Say no when saying no is best. If you're going to have healthy boundaries in your life, you have to be willing to say no when no is best because sometimes no is the best answer. Sometimes no is the best answer for them. Sometimes no is the best answer for you, and that's okay. No is a healthy word for relationships. Many of us struggle saying no. Right? How many of you just have a hard time saying no to somebody? Let me see your hands. Yeah, that's the majority of us. It's not that way in the general population, but it does tend to be that way within the church because it doesn't seem Christian to say no. Somebody asks for help. Somebody needs something, and I just can't say no. You know, Here's the thing. If you don't learn how to say no when no is best, you make yourself a target for difficult people. Difficult people love to find people who never say no. It helps enable them with their destructive behavior. If you don't know how to say no, it's like blood in the water to sharks. If you've got a bunch of difficult people in your life, this may very well be the cause. In the early church in the first century, a church in the city of Galatia was a mix of Jews who had become Christ followers and Gentiles who had become Christ followers. And within that context, a small group of the Jewish believers started telling the Gentiles that in order for them to be true Christ followers, they needed to become Jews first. And to become a Jew, that meant you had to be circumcised. You had to go through this religious ritual, the covenant of Abraham. Now, these Gentile believers knew that they didn't have to do that to become Christ followers, but they just decided, we'll just go along. We won't say no. We won't stir up trouble. And so the Apostle Paul, in his letter to that church, says to these Christians, just say no. And I love the way he puts it. Look at Galatians 5.1. Paul said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, don't let people control you. And the best way to break those bonds of control is to learn to say no when no is best. See, here's what you need to understand about difficult people. Almost all difficult people have control issues. Really, two different kinds of control issues. Some have, their life is out of control. 
their emotions, their choices, their decisions. Their life is spinning out of control. And because of that, they will make ridiculous requests of you. They will ask you to do things that no healthy adult would ask another person to do for them. Those of you who have addicts in your life, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? They will ask you to do all of this stuff, and you know in your mind, I shouldn't say yes, but because you love them, you end up saying yes because you think you're helping them, and the truth is you are assisting them with the destruction of their life. When you keep saying yes to those ridiculous, unhealthy requests to support them making those bad choices that are destroying them, that's not love. That's just not caring enough to take a stand and give them true love. Look, saying no to an out-of-control person is one of the best things you can do for them. Now, some difficult people are not out of control. They are trying to be in control. They're difficult because they want to control not, every, not only everything in their life, but they want to control everything in everybody else's life. Some of you have people like that. And their favorite weapons to use against you are anger and guilt. Oh, if you say no, I'll scream and holler. If you say no, I'll get mad. I'll throw furniture. I'll stomp my feet. If you say no, I will make your life miserable. We got a name for that. It's called being a toddler. And it's time we say no to some of the grown-up toddlers in our life and step away no matter how mad they get. The other tool of a control freak is guilt. They love to use, oh, well, you must not love me. You don't even want to help me to loan me $50. And you know what they're going to do with it, right? And so they, and especially they use your faith, your Christianity against you, right? Well, I thought you were a Jesus follower. Aren't Jesus followers supposed to help people? You won't even help people? Look, you got to say no, because many times no is the best, most loving thing to do. So can I just say this? Who do you need to say no to? Who needs to hear no? Not only to protect you from them, but to help protect them from themselves. And then number four, another big one. The fourth thing you got to do to have healthy boundaries is you got to let consequences do their job. You got to let consequences do their job. In other words, sometimes you got to go beyond saying no to doing no. To allow people to feel the full force of the consequences of their bad choices. Why? Because most people don't change when they've seen the light. They change when they feel the heat. And let me tell you something. Your boundaries are not real boundaries until there are consequences for crossing them. You can say this and that, and you're not going to, and I'm never going to, and we're stopping it. Your words are just words until there are consequences when people cross that line. Terry and I learned this early on in parenting. All kids test the boundaries. No matter what you say, they will still test those boundaries because they know your words aren't the real boundaries. Your actions are your real boundaries. You know why kids press boundaries? You know why they do that? Because they're desperate for security. They want to know what the real line is. They want to know the truth. Because once they know the truth, then they find security in that. And let me tell you something, moms and dads. You can keep counting to three all you want. But until you enforce consequences, your children will never stop making those 
destructive choices. Let consequences, that's love. You understand that? That's how God loves us. One of the best ways that God expresses his love to us is through correcting us. Through discipline. The Bible says God disciplines those he loves. What is discipline? Discipline is allowing difficult, painful consequences when you make bad choices. When you're going the wrong way, God doesn't make that decision easy. He makes it difficult and painful. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to live under the guardrails, the healthy guardrails of his standards for life. And when you take the consequences, when you take the consequences for someone else's unhealthy decisions, you know what you're doing? You are getting in the way of what God is trying to do in their life. I love how practical the Bible is. Look at Proverbs 19, 19. It says, if someone has a hot temper, in other words, out of control emotionally, let him take the consequences. If you get him out of trouble once, you will have to do it again. Amen? Anybody got a testimony about doing that? Sure. The more you soften the blow of the bad choices that people make, the more they're going to keep making those same bad choices. And then finally, number five, the fifth thing we have to do to, to have healthy boundaries is you got to get help from others. You've got to get help from others. I'm telling you, from personal experience, I'm standing up here teaching this stuff, and you're going, amen, I wish I'd heard this when my kids are young, and you think I got all this together? Let me tell you something. I am a crappy boundary setter and keeper in my life. And the only way I've ever been able to set and maintain healthy boundaries with my relationships with you guys, with my relationships with my kids, is that other people have stepped in and helped me make wise choices when I was too emotionally involved to make wise choices. That's the problem. The reason you have a hard time setting and keeping boundaries for the people, especially the people closest to you, it's not because we're all a bunch of mamby-pamby pushovers. It's that we're so emotionally involved in that relationship that we can't see clearly. We're in a storm of emotions and we make irrational decisions. See, here's the thing. It's easy for me to see the codependency in your life. It's really hard for me to see it in mine. It's easy for me to see how some of the things you're saying yes to are not wise and are hurting people, but it's difficult for me to say no to the people in my life. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 that we are to encourage each other and build each other up. Years ago, Terry and I were really struggling with this transition in our parenting. Going from parenting children to parenting young adults. That is a difficult transition to make because you got this rhythm, you got this setup for 18, 20 years, and then all of a sudden the game changes almost like overnight. And it's hard to know what should you do to help them, what you should say no to, what kind of consequences are there when they cross boundaries. It's very difficult to do. But we sat down with a couple from our home group, sat on their back porch one night in the middle of a struggle trying to figure out how we could love our young adult children well and not enable 
their destructive behavior. And the wisdom that came out of them, I was just blown away with it. I was like, man. And it's not because they had older kids and had been through it. Their kids were younger than our kids. And I'm like, how do y'all see this so clearly? It's because it wasn't their children we were talking about. They had emotional distance and they could give wise counsel. And we can do that for each other. Listen, boundaries are essential if you want healthy relationships. You just can't do it alone. And the good news is because you're here at Cedar Creek, you don't have to go through this alone. We have some fantastic resources to help each other set healthy boundaries. That's why it's so important to be in a home group. So people can get to know you, get to know your family. They can see things where you're enabling that you can't see. And that because you're in relationship, they can speak that truth. They can walk with you. They can help you keep the boundaries. Which, by the way, setting a boundary, easy to do. Keeping it when the person you love crosses it, very difficult to do. But they can help hold you accountable. They help you do that. We also have a fantastic Celebrate Recovery ministry here at Cedar Creek. They have some great resources, some amazing people that can help you with your codependency, with your tendency to enable destructive behavior. Another great resource is probably, in my opinion, the best book ever written on this subject of boundaries. And it's simply entitled Boundaries. It's a fantastic book. I think it was written like 30 years ago. It's still the gold standard in relationship boundaries. It's written by Dr. Henry Crowd and Dr. John Townsend. And I, go on Amazon, order this book today. This thing has been a miracle worker in many of our lives because it's built on biblical truth. Don't try this alone. Now, I want to close. I want to show you something that really was helpful for me. Look at your outline there. Look at those first four things we talked about. Those first four things for setting boundaries. Do you know what all four of those have in common? Those four are all ways that God loves us. They're all ways that God relates to us. God loves us and so he gives us consequences when we make unhealthy choices. God tells us no when no is best. God care fronts us and convicts us with his Holy Spirit when we're thinking the wrong thing or going the wrong direction. And God loves us enough to not rescue us from every difficulty because he knows those difficulties will develop more character in our lives and a deeper dependence on him. If you really, if you're serious about loving the difficult people in your life, if you're serious about giving extra grace to the EGRs in your life, then you're going to have to be willing to set and keep boundaries. Would you pray with me? Father, I stand here before all of these people that I love so dearly and confess that I do not do this well. That I am often an enabler and a codependent and an avoider of conflict. And God, I confess that that has not only made my life more difficult, but it's been painful and damaging to the people I say I love the most. And so, Father, I pray that together as one family, each one of us would take an honest look at our own life 
would look at the way that you love us and would learn to love others in that same way. God, draw us closer to you. Give us a clearer picture of the depth of your love for us so that we might love well all the people in our lives, including those that are hardest to love. In Jesus' name, amen.